again, it's, it's so nice to, uh, to be able to see you. I'm uh, still kind of getting used to that. Um, and there's a diff obviously, nowadays, there's a different combination of faces in the room from one week to another. So um, maybe, to be honest, still getting slightly used to it. I feel more comfortable looking at you sometimes over there on the camera. Um, but we'll get there. Right, in, the, in a bit of the time that remains, um, and before we worship again to, to conclude our time together this morning, I'm going to spend some time in, in a psalm, in Psalm 92. So I will read uh, Psalm 92. You can follow along. It's described as a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. And it says this, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. The senseless man does not know. Fools do not understand. That though the wicked spring up like grass and all evil doers flourish, they will forever be destroyed. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no wickedness in him. This year, uh, the Psalms I have found especially uh, helpful, uh, strengthening, comforting. Um, I'm grateful for the, the friend that described the Psalms as, as part of the main dish. We can think of Psalms... Uh, if you'd sat down at a restaurant, as a side order. Uh, when it comes to getting into the Bible, drawing close to God, we can think, well, I'll, 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 my main dish might be something else. I'll, I'll have a, a little side salad. Um, it's optional. It's not essential. It's kind of peripheral. It's not right in the middle. Uh, every now and again, I dip in. But I'm kind of, you know, it's not like a regular part of my, my spiritual sustenance and the encouragement I received some, some years ago now, maybe not that long ago, was to consider the Psalms as part of our, our main dish. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we've taken this deliberate step of, of making sure, not just leaving it to chance, although anything can happen spontaneously, is that we're going to have one read to us. Uh, and that's what the New Testament speaks about, speaking to one another. We've done that with with songs, even spiritual songs, as Wendy was singing out. Um, but it starts there, sing, speak to one another with, with psalms. Um, and so it's one of the moments I most, most treasure. Um, and it, I have actually wondered in all the time that we've been doing that since, since lockdown, was anyone going to choose Psalm 119? Oh, I can appreciate, Anita, why you thought we're not going to go all the way through in just one Sunday. Um, but I'm just so glad you went there. 
I'm so glad we get to hear that. It's easy sometimes. If we, if we think of Psalms as the side salad, dare I say, we might think, well, the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23. Bingo. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Yep, Psalm 121. We've had that. That's good. We can have it again. But we can, we can just have a kind of couple of familiar go-to psalms with no overall appreciation of how do these help us to meet with God, flourish in life, and glorify his name in all seasons of life. Um, so one of the things we did earlier in the year was we paid attention to the psalms that are especially gritty. Um, and, uh, and if you would like, on another occasion, to, like Anita, come and just kick us off in worship by reading a psalm. You don't have to wait to be asked. Just let us know. Let me know. Let Richard know who spoke a moment ago. Let Chris know. Just let us know, and we'd be delighted um, to help find the time when you, can, when you can start us off with reading a psalm and, and praying. Um, we considered how Jesus so, was so familiar with the psalms that at his darkest moment, he, on the cross, he quoted two of them. He quoted Psalm 22 and he, he quoted Psalm 31. And we, we paid some attention to, to learning to lament. Where we, we use those gritty, earthy, painful psalms. There was a hint of that in the psalm today. I don't know if you noticed that from Psalm 119. And verse 25. These are words we, we listened to or read together. I am laid low in the dust, my, and my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. That's what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is, is coming to God and coming to God's word, knowing, I feel rubbish today, but I know I'm going to find God's help here. And so learning to lament, we saw, is learning to come to God in the times of crisis Maybe in the times like Peter's walk, when it feels like you are walking away from home, you're walking away from the promise, God has got you on a strange direction, and you don't have that much choice about it. Life has gone weird for you, and it's hard. Those are times to, to draw near to God and learn how we can use these songs of lament, songs of sorrow. Turning to God in those times bringing our complaint to him, asking the, asking the big questions, asking those questions that begin with why. Why is this happening? With how? How long, O oh Lord, until you break through? Let, honest, heartbreaking, gutsy questions. But what the lament does as well as registering those things before God is what it does is it encourages us to express our trust in him, even in that moment. That we're not just waiting for fair weather to be a spiritual people. So we, we spent some time earlier in the year learning to lament. I think we looked at Psalm 120, no, 142. Um, well, today we are looking at Psalm 92. And... In addition, to practice, uh, in addition to learning to lament, today we're going to practice praise. 
Because you, very roughly speaking, I suppose that's what, the psalm, that, that's what the psalm contains. It's quite phenomenal, really, when you think about it, that the scripture itself provides us with 150 poetic songs. We don't know the tune they used. We have to make that up if you want to sing it. 150 songs, 150 prayers, 150 psalms that God, that the Holy Spirit has inspired for us to use in all situations, in all seasons of life. Can you see how they are not just a side salad, a side order, occasionally go there, but to be part of our, our way of walking with God. And we have it here in verse 1. It is good to praise the Lord. I have, well, I have one point today with six sub-points. No, I've got, I've got one point. Let the note-takers underline. It is good to praise the Lord. Can I hear an amen? It is good to praise the Lord. And all I'm going to do really today is answer the question, why? Why is it good? What are the goods? What are the benefits? And there would be other psalms that we could turn to and it would say, it might say, it is fitting. It's appropriate. It is right. And sometimes we do things because they are the right thing to do. And we don't always feel like it. A bit like kind of taking medicine. Well, medicine is good, isn't it? We don't always enjoy the experience. But what this is telling us is it, it, it is good. It's good to praise the Lord. We could think, it's, if we were saying it's right to praise the Lord, we'd say, well, yes, it's right to praise the Lord because God's, God is worthy. God deserves it. It's always fitting then, in every circumstance of life, to praise the Lord. And we could dwell there, and maybe we would fly a bit higher. Uh, I'm just kind of hovering here. Hover here with me in considering why is it good. Why is it good for us to praise the Lord? Um, it benefits us. It, I haven't even started yet. It, it's what we're designed for. So how can... How can we flourish in life without praising God if the one who designed us and made us created us for that very purpose? It's what we're designed for. And it is, it is good. And God is glorious and worthy. And this touches a little bit on what we do when we gather like this. Um, but if I can put it in this way, what's happening now, what we've been doing this morning together, is the cherry on the cake. Let me explain. <laughs> the cherry is gathering together, hearing one another, raising our voices together, being encouraged by the different voices, the different people who've shared holiday snapshots, prophetic images, if you like, prompted by recent experience. Um, that, that is good. That is the cherry. We might talk a little bit about the cherry. But the cherry goes on top of something. And the cherry goes on top of a lifestyle of worship. If you came to me this morning and gave me a cake, I go, oh, that, 
that looks good. Could, could I have a piece of that, please? If it's just about the cherry, if you just offer me a glacé cherry, I, sorry, I should say, thank you so much to everyone who leads us in worship. Don't get me wrong. I, and we're, we're considering music right now, but I can't live on a cherry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't just do life on, on one cherry a week. As, as beautiful and as wonderful as that cherry is. Maybe I shouldn't just live on cake either. <laughs> We've had a few birthdays recently and that has brought joy to my heart. Uh, uh, anyway, so we, we're talking about practicing praise. We're talking about life. And life is communal in this moment. Life is together. But life is also Monday morning. Life is also your commute. Life is also washing up. Life is sometimes not being able to get to sleep because you've got so many things on your mind. Life is having a chat with your colleague. Life is working from home. Or maybe life is working from home. Or life is working from the office. Life is working from the office. Hallelujah. Anyway, obviously, we spend most of our time outside of this room. So most of our praise is going to be outside of this room. So here we go. We'll see how many reasons we get through. Um, why is it good to praise the Lord? It is good to praise the Lord because it gladdens the heart. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre. Uh, thank you, Mike. Um, I guess just six strings, and the melody of the harp. We don't have one of those yet. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. I love the sense of rhythm you get through the psalm. It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. It's good to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. I'm not suggesting, and I don't think the psalmist is suggesting, that in some kind of robotic fashion. It's the morning, Lord, so I must focus on your love. As if I can totally distinguish that from your faithfulness. No, but it's just giving us a sense of, a sense of rhythm. You see, that is, that's more than daily right there. You know, there's sometimes the discussion, when is the best time to have a quiet time? And you hear people strongly advocate for a morning. Now, I I think you, can't, you know, the day won't go well unless you start it right in the morning. And let's not get too weird about it, but it is helpful. Um, or before I turn the, turn the light off, that, that's the best time for me. Maybe for you it's lunch. My prime time is about midday. It's a long slog to get to that point that's downhill thereafter. But in the middle, I'm, I'm functioning all right. Um, but the psalmist is going both and. He's saying, praise him in the morning. Glorify him, worship him in the evening. Sing about it and make music. I love this phrase in the psalm uh, in, in Ephesians chapter five. It talks there about sing to one another, speak to one another, and make music in your hearts. It's possible to sing without our hearts being engaged at all. It's possible for our hearts to be worshiping the Lord, even at the moments when we aren't singing. Um, but we're encouraged, music can help us, but it, we, what, are, what gladdens our hearts 
is the love of the Lord and the faithfulness of the Lord and the works of his hands and his, his profound goodness. That's what we're doing. And, and to allow that to come out of our lips is a good thing. It is good to sing, even if we're not the most tuneful. And I've got a couple of examples to share with you. Uh, one is a lady called Sophia. And uh, she, this is a, an example, not from the scripture. This is an example from some people's lives. Uh, in 1992, uh, in Somalia, in Mogadishu, there's a couple called Nick and Ruth. I don't think that's their real names. Nick and Ruth were in Mogadishu at a point where the nation uh, had been ripped apart by civil war. They, they described, I won't read everything. Back in 1992, uh, during this trip to Mogadishu, I was walking down a bomb-cratered city street with my Somali guard, guards. We were scouting the neighborhood around our compound, looking for need, oh, goodness me, looking for needs in the neighborhood that we might be able to meet. The trouble was that there were so many needs that it seemed to be a ridiculous search. The people I saw in that neighborhood had nothing but needs. Where would I even start to help when I encountered death and destruction at every corner and every turn? As I walked those streets, I felt the presence of evil like I've never known before. It was palpable, tangible presence. It felt like a vice tightening around my heart, slowly, steadily squeezing out any hope of helping. All that was left was discouragement and despair. Then he describes the moment, maybe faintly to start with, when he could hear somebody singing. And they just went on the hunt. Who, who is singing in this place? What on earth? Um, and they, they arrived closer and, and closer. They, uh, they appeared at the door of another compound and, and had to really persuade persuade the guards there that they could come in, that they were safe and so on. And they met this lady called Sophia. And they would have many other encounters with this, with, this, with this lady in the future. But it said, when I first met her that day in the orphanage, she'd already lost her job, her home, and her family to the violent chaos and destruction that had marked Somaliland's long and brutal civil war. Even those who had told her about Jesus many years before had now fled the country. Physically, she was ragged, worn out, and thin beyond belief. She stood a few inches over five feet. Evidently, though, there was enough strength left in this little shell of a woman to have gathered 30 orphans together in this shattered neighborhood of Mogadishu. It seemed to be only the sheer force of her will that had kept the orphans alive and waiting for help to show up. They were looking to her, and she was waiting for someone to be an answer to her prayers. In that hard time, she sang, and she taught the children to sing as well. It goes on. In a way, that's the whole point of this particular book. I might have mentioned this before. Um, the authors have, after some time, uh, they've gone around the world finding persecuted Christians and, and kind of finding out what's kept you strong, what's kept you going, what's kept you. And one of the, th one of the strong impressions they get time and time again is, is 
they've got us, they are actually singing. They have a song to sing, and that, that's put here. Maybe you think that's a bit, sounds a bit sentimental. I was thinking of the scripture as well, thinking about Paul and Silas taking the good news of Jesus to, from town to town, city to city, and they rock up in, in, in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, uh, and they have, they have some progress, but by the end of the day, it's all gone a bit wrong, to be quite honest. Um, in Acts chapter 16, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, because they weren't that thrilled about what they were doing and saying. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So what we, we have here, they have been attacked, they have been stripped and beaten, severely flogged, thrown into prison, and they are being very carefully watched. They have been put in the inner cell, and their feet have been fastened in the stocks. I don't know exactly the conversation at that point, whether Silas nudged Paul or Paul nudged Silas. So come on, Silas. It is right to praise the Lord. Oh, come on, give me a break. After today, can we not just try and find some comfort? Let's just go to sleep and let's find what tomorrow brings. I don't think that was their conversation. I don't know that it was the other way. It could have been Silas nudging Paul. Come on. It's good. It's good to praise the Lord. It's good to declare his love in the morning and his faithfulness. In the morning, Lydia, wasn't it wonderful? Is that right? In the evening, we're in prison. He's faithful. Come on. I happen, maybe it was just, they don't even need to have that conversation because they've resolved it in their hearts that the good thing is the right thing and the right thing is the good thing. They don't even have a conversation about it. It just comes. They've learned to praise. They've learned to worship, even right here, even right there. So it is good. It's not, I don't think it's good in some kind of calculating way. As if Sophia in Mogadishu was thinking, if I sing, there's just a chance that those American missionaries will put, walk past and hear. Have they heard? You, just, you stand at the door, I'll sing, and hope that it cuts. I don't, don't think that it was like that. I don't think that Paul and Silas were thinking, well, if we sing, and if we hit just the right frequency in our singing, we might cause an earthquake that causes all our chains to come off. Or even, that you know, they're singing because they're listening. Maybe there was a hint of that. We're going to just, we're singing. And we believe that us singing is going to do these jailers, jailers some good. And even our other inmates. Maybe, but it's not calculated. Praise isn't calculated like that. It's just, I'm fully persuaded. Oh, sorry people on the balcony. I'm, I haven't learned to look at you yet. I am fully persuaded this is just what I'm designed for. And now is as good a time as any to sing it. 
Oh dear. This is my first point. It's good to praise the Lord because it gladdens the heart. In a moment, I'll give you an executive summary on the others. But I've brought, I've brought an illustration with me, and I really want to do my second point. Um, after that, I'll just maybe pray and summarize the rest of it in the prayer, and you can pick it up as you go. It's really rich stuff. You might think, oh, gladdens the heart. And you might that sounds a bit sentimental. It's not the only thing. We don't sing all the time. It's not always like this, is it? We don't always sing because we're glad. But having sung, we've been gladdened. Having focused on truth, we've been gladdened. But that isn't all there is to say. It stretches the mind. It's like exercise, good exercise for the brain. So for verse 5, How great are your works, O Lord, how profound your thoughts. The senseless man does not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. But you, O Lord, are exalted forever. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All the evildoers will be scattered and so on. Uh, it says there, My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. Starting then at verse, How great are your works, how profound your thoughts. The one who is worshipping considers for a moment the senseless man. I think if you're reading in an ESV, it might say the stupid man. Seems a bit harsh, but there it is. Um, but it's not necessarily a comment on intelligence. But kind of aliveness or dullness. The senseless man. The, the, one, the one who's not, not worshipping the Lord is, has become dull dulled down. The one who's worshipping the Lord is, is gaining revelation. But to, to, to state or to ask how great are your works, O Lord, implies it's worth really thinking about. I'm probably you know, on, the, on the personality spectrums that you can get, which aren't inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, I probably come out more as a feeler than a thinker. More, more on that kind of level. Really? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know that not everyone is like that. This is turning into a bit of a waffle. I'll try and crack on. Um, but there is, there's nothing. If, if, the, if the God who made the whole universe has such unimaginable greatness and depths, to contemplate him will expand my mind will help me wonder and awe. But it takes consideration. It's not, it's not just a quick flash-in-the-pan moment. And sometimes maybe our worship is like this, but at this point, I need the help of the illustration and a roving mic, actually. So would one of the Chris's, both of the Chris's if you're really keen, but take the mic that works, um, be a roving mic at this point. Can anyone, with a show of hands, if you don't mind someone coming close with a microphone, just give me one of the main ingredients to making a cake. Show of hands. Anyway, you can't do shouting out, I'm afraid. That just wouldn't be right. Sugar. Sugar, thank you. Thank you very much, Anne. We have some sugar. Okay. Uh, just give me a moment, please. 
Go on. Get in. It's a small cake, and we're going to make it very quickly. Okay, sugar is in. Thank you very much for the benefit of the camera. There we go. Uh, next ingredient. Eggs. Oh, wasn't going to go for that one next, but okay, since you have. <laughs> Eggs. I've got bacterial wipes. I've got cloth. I've got a tray here. We're going to give it a go. Nice one. Put that back in there. Okay. Uh, another ingredient, please. Flour. Flour. Thank you. I have had, as revealed recently, we had a few birthdays. Made a cake. I got a bit confused. In a bit of a hurry. Looked at my mixture and thought, what's wrong? But that's the next ingredient. I just got to the point of putting these things together. Mixed them. Thought, why doesn't that look right? Can someone tell me why? What's the next ingredient? Sorry for the benefit of the camera. It now looks Butter. like... Thank you very much. Yep. There we have it. That's all good. Thank you so much. If you wanted... I'm just going to put a pinch of this one in as well. A bit of baking powder. Feels a bit risky. Okay, look. All the ingredients are there. Who would like to try my cake? Does anyone want, anyone want to have a look? Sometimes we're just in so, so much of a hurry. What we've done in our praise is all we've done is gather the ingredients. Put, stuck them in a bowl. And then we think after a while, I thought, I thought Dan said it was good to praise the Lord. Thank you, Chris. I thought it was good to praise the Lord, but what I'm left with is this weird, not even mixed together, claggy. I'm not going to mix it too much now, for obvious reasons. In other words, sometimes we're just, we're just, just using headlines and slogans. God is sovereign. Whack it in. God is love. In it goes. God's faithful. Splat. Let's worship. And let's crack on with the day. Let's do whatever else. That's just taken like three minutes, isn't it? How long does it take to make a cake? Oh, I'm asking you to call out now. Just quietly project your voice. About 20 minutes. A few minutes to mix stuff together. It's not a big cake, is it? How long do you reckon I'd need to put that in the oven? About 20 minutes? And sometimes in our praise, and sometimes in drawing near to God, we just need to take a little bit more time to mix, to consider. Yeah? Whoa, almost went. What do I mean? Let me just give you a couple of examples, and then we'll wrap up and pray. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of infants, children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, there's something to be considered, to be thought about. God in comparison with his creation. It's like we look up at the star, at the sun, 
And we know that it's absolutely massive and we know that it's really far away. And we also know it's quite a small star as stars go. And there's a God who made all of the stars beyond that. We can't even measure the distance of a light year. But God holds that. And the whole of the universe which he's spoken to create, he's, he can hold it in his hand, so to speak. When I consider, so what, what am I considering? Do you know what, what's often going on is I'm not considering. I'm, I'm ruminating. I'm thinking about the rubbish. I'm thinking about the muck. I'm thinking about the challenge. Maybe for this couple, Nick and Ruth, going around the streets of Mogadishu, they're just overwhelmed, so aware with what could lead to despair. And sometimes that can be what we consider rather than considering the Lord. We could turn to uh, Luke 12, verse 24, where Jesus is talk talking to his disciples about, do not worry. And, and what does he say at that point? He says, consider, consider the ravens. But if we go into this kind of cake-baking mode, it's like oh, bird, mountain, <laughs> glorious, coffee please, um, we're just going too quick. But to really consider, have you considered the birds? Have you considered the message? Of what Jesus would say, don't worry about your life. God knows how to provide. He knows when he's going to do it. You are more valuable than all of those sparrows and ravens and blue tits, and goldfinches, and all sorts, that seem to manage to find something to eat. Have you, are you considering? Are you like, Paul can say, um, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have considered, I've gone through, I've gone through everything. I've gone through my whole life, and I've considered the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. I've considered, I've considered it. And I've put them in the weighing scales. And nothing compares to the surpassing greatness of knowing him. All of that is a loss compared to him. So my encouragement today in addition to the three other points we could have looked at, <laughs> is to remember it is, it is good. It is good to praise the Lord. It is good to consider His greatness and all He has done. To do that morning and night. And to you who might be reading through 20 chapters of the Bible a day to make sure you can tick it off on your chart. Are you considering? Are you, are you drawing near to the Lord that you're reading about? Or is it just speeding through? And to those who aren't really going to God in prayer or in the Word much at all, and you're kind of trying to make life work on a cherry, come on. What are you considering? You might think it sounds terribly introspective and it's all about us, but the proclaim with your lips 
is then linked at the end of the psalm with proclaiming with your life. And we watch that video and we consider what we know that has been happening in Kabul and, and Afghanistan and the fact that people are coming to Sheffield and coming here. We think, I want, to, I want to proclaim with my life the good news. I wonder if sometimes if we just, we've been robbed by our society of thinking that God is good news. And we'd settle for just, just trying to persuade one friend that God actually loves them. Which can easily flip into this weird message that, well, God understands you're special. Hang on a minute. There's something more glorious here. There's something bigger that life cannot thrive and flourish without knowing the one and only glorious God and how special He is. As we know how special He is, what's going to come out from us? It's it's proclaiming with our lips, proclaiming with our lives. You can flourish in relationship with this God because he is that good. Better stop. Amen.